You're listening to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast for and by Rockies fans on Rocky Mountain Rooftop. Thank you for joining us as we discuss all things baseball and Colorado Rockies. Hello and welcome to Affected by Altitude, a Colorado Rockies podcast on Rocky Mountain Rooftop, the Colorado Rockies affiliate of the Fans First Sports Network. I'm your host, Evan Lang, and with me, as always, is Skylar Timmons, a side character done great injustice by Akira Toriyama, or whoever was writing mm, yes. Dragon Ball Super. Mm, yes. Yes, I am. Also, uh, Happy New Year, everybody. And, Happy New Year. And... Do we sing old Lang sign? Hey, it's, the joke is that my last name is in those words. <laughs> Your name's old? Yeah, old Lang. <laughs> old Lang. Evan is Evan is my nom de plume, my pseudo name. My legal name is old Lang. <laughs> and I, I have a sign about it somewhere, but I, I left it at home. Old man Lang. For what it's worth, I know that Toriyama didn't write that much of Super, but it's still pretty bad. Mm-hmm. Why was Krillin a cop? Because what else are you going to do with that skill set? And then, like, for some reason, bullets hurt him? Again? Oh, yeah. That's weird. Dragon Ball Super is really bad. Uh, yes. And you know what else is really bad? Uh, oh, <laughs> uh, 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 the Broncos. Yes. More specifically, the contract that the Broncos gave Russell Wilson and the contract that the Rockies gave Chris Bryant. We've talked a lot about Chris Bryant and his contract and where he sort of fits in with this team um, moving forward. And this week, um, this most most recent week, it was announced that the Denver Broncos have decided to uh, bench their quarterback, Russell Wilson, and likely move on from him with a post-June 1st uh, cut designation next year. And that got us to thinking, and Skyler was the first person to put this out here, you probably saw it on our Twitter account, is which is the worst contract? You have Russell Wilson at five years and $245 million, or you have Chris Bryant at seven years and $182 million. And then um, very gratefully, Skyler let me sort of take that concept and run with it uh, for my most recent article on Purple Row, which I uh, titled, if you haven't read it already, uh, Chris Bryant and the Rockies might have a better future than Russell Wilson and the Broncos. And this got a lot of people talking. And so we're going to continue to talk about it Mm -hmm. of which is the worst contract and which team is sort of more equipped to move on from this? Because, you know, I recognize that there are two very different sports in the way that, you know, rosters are built, the way that money is handed out. You know, baseball contracts are fully guaranteed. Football is not. Um, you can trade draft picks in the NFL. You really can't do that in baseball. But it's really, they're really oddly similar that over the last, you know, set amount of time, you have two teams that have really been floundering, two teams that have handed out 
really bad contracts to, you know, former superstar players in hopes that it would help them turn the team around and two teams where that really has failed to manifest so far over both of those players first two years with that new organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the question over on Twitter might put, was genuinely curious uh, since neither has really worked out, but which acquisition has been worse for their respective teams? And both came at great cost. And while both have been, have shown glimpses of being good, it has not helped their teams much at all. And in that poll, 188 votes. So still kind of a small sample size, but Hey, it's what we're working with. Uh, that's about, eh, that's about the listenership for a standard episode of a yeah, podcast. So we'll work with that. But uh, 59% of people said Russell Wilson, for the Broncos, which there's probably some recency bias in that, but yeah, it's at the end of the the days, which acquisition has kind of been worse and not so much like the play on the field and everything, but just you know, in terms of financial things and just the acquisitions itself, Russell Wilson, I think is just kind of hand, you know, handcuffed the Broncos pretty badly for the moment. Like he's been good. Like he's had a, a decent season this year, and like you know, struggled last year. But who didn't on the Broncos? But as a whole, it's just what the Broncos gave up for Russell Wilson is more than just the money, which is still an absurd amount of money <clears throat> because they still there's like the weird injury guarantee thing, and so that's why they're benching him too, so they don't trigger like he can't pass a physical next year which yeah, is in so, like march so really ugh. yeah how it works is that he has a clause in his contract with the broncos that uh guarantees him 37 million dollars if he is injured at any point during this season that would cause him to fail a physical when the new league year starts in 2024 which would be uh march you are correct mm-hmm. and apparently the broncos approached him in october um, right after they had beat the Kansas City Chiefs, asking him to alter or change that clause in his contract um, so they could avoid having to pay that money or they would bench him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's uh, kind of been a mess over there financially with the with the Broncos. But then you think, okay, what else? It wasn't just the money. That's I think that's the big thing of why I lean why Russell Wilson's acquisition has been worse or will be worse in the long run because it wasn't just, they didn't just sign him for money, but the cost to acquire him has really handcuffed the Broncos at the moment where they're sending over draft picks. They were sent over players, no two players. They sent over a bunch of draft picks, including first round picks. And so then the Broncos have just kind of been handcuffed where they haven't been able to draft very high for good talent. And then what else do they do to bring somebody to try and fix the team and fix Russell Wilson? Oh, let's spend more money, more draft picks to bring in a head coach who's supposed to fix him. And uh, just it turns out they get a coach who just hates his guts. Yeah, I was going to say, it's pretty <laughs> clear that this new head coach hates Russell Wilson. Like, it's honestly kind of shocking to see. But it really is like, it's not just the money. Money is money. In in the grand scheme of things, currently, the Broncos have paid Russell Wilson 
excuse me, goodness, 124 million. It's that shocking. I know 124 <laughs> million dollars, um, which is almost as much as I've said as Chris Bryant's entire contract spread over seven years. Yeah. But the Rockies, at the very least, only have to deal with the money aspect of it. The money's sunk. Fine. And now they're having to deal with, you know, trying to find a place for Chris Bryant to play. If that's going to be first base, he potentially blocks some other players. Okay. But with, with the Russell Wilson trade and the contract they gave him, it's that they gave up a lot of future capital. Um, for Russell Wilson, they gave up two first-round picks, two second-round picks, a fifth-round pick. Their starting quarterback at the time, Drew Locke, their starting nose tackle at the time, Shelby Harris, and their starting tight end at the time, Noah Fant. And that's... That's a lot. That is so much in terms of future capital. Yeah. And then after if the, you, if you had just traded those three players, you're like, okay, that's not that bad. Like three players for Russell Wilson, but then it didn't stop there. Yeah. Because then they sign him, um, you know, they sign him to that contract, basically sight unseen after he had had some, some, a down year or two in Seattle. Um, but they, you know, they hoped that he could improve, or, or get back to sort of the form that he was at. And they signed him to a five-year, $245 million contract that, I'm trying to remember, was it $160 million guaranteed? Um, and that contract hasn't even kicked in yet. He's still on the final two years of his original Seattle deal. Mm-hmm. But then because he plays so poorly under first time head, under a first-time head coach last year, they bring in a new head coach and gave up another first round pick and another second round pick. So now we're up to three firsts and three seconds to get Russ and then get a new coach to try and fix Russ. Mm -hmm. And the Broncos are already one of the oldest teams in the NFL. They're, they're in the top 10 for oldest teams in the league. And when you have an, an old roster like this and you're not, going to win like the Broncos have basically punted on the season they're saying yeah we still have a slim shot at making the playoffs but we're not going to do it so now it's time to see what Jared Siddham's got or whatever you move into this territory where all right well the team's got to get younger but we don't have any draft capital to do that Mm -hmm. and the team's got to get younger because of Russell Wilson's you know cap hit where it's something like 89 million dollars um, they can either eat it all in one season, which they're not going to do, or they can split it and have it be like, I'm trying to remember if it's like 35 and 85 or something like that, uh, spread across 2024 and 2025. Mm-hmm. The Rongos only have six draft picks in the upcoming draft. So it's going to be really hard to replenish this team with young talent. You're going to see a lot of if, if, if it goes the way I think it's going to go, you're going to see a lot of like undrafted players and you're going to see a lot of lower round picks getting starting time. Whereas for the Rockies, it really was just the money like they haven't had to give up any. They didn't give up any picks. They have had at least consistency with the front office and coaching staff that the Broncos haven't had because, you know, front office turmoil in the NFL is is a, is a trap because you're basically, you're getting a bunch of players that fit one system. And then you have to get rid of a bunch of players because the new guys you're bringing in have a different system, but baseball, you don't have to deal with that. But then the Rockies also have all of their draft picks, 
a pretty good underrated farm system with lots of young talent coming up, especially in position players. And we're seeing them get younger and potentially be prepared to get better over the next couple of years. Yeah. And overall, it's just, it's all a mess for everybody. And the thing with like Chris Bryant, I think the big thing for Bryant is uh, it's part of that. of He's just blocking young players. That's the argument against him. And he's getting paid twenty six million, and he hasn't been been healthy. That's the sticking point for people with Chris Bryant is he he's a walking injury, which yeah has been the case these past two seasons. But when he's been healthy, you've seen stretches where you know he's been good. No, not the former MVP he was, but still a solid bat in the lineup that could hit for power, uh, but can get on base and all that good stuff. At times, but still, that's the sticking point of, well, well, he's just eating the money. He's not even trying to be on the field, which, folks, he's, he's Chris Bryant isn't getting injured on purpose. Yeah, you know, he, he <laughs> yeah, he's getting that money, but he doesn't have an injury clause where, oh, if I get injured, I'm going to get $40 million next year. Like, nobody has that kind of thing. Like, he's not asking to be injured. He wants to be on the field, and he's a quiet leader in the clubhouse. Is there more Chris Bryant could probably be doing for the organization? Yeah, he could be because you look at Russell Wilson, dude was a really good face for the franchise, like organizational type of person, just a really good dude. Yeah, he's kind of corny and weird, but he's a good dude, a Walter Payton man of the year winner and stuff. So he was a good face for your organization and your community. And then Chris Bryant is kind of quiet behind the scenes, like does stuff in the clubhouse uh, but you know, off the field at tangibles, can't really gauge as much. But on the field, yeah, Wilson's been in more games. He's contributed more, but still, you know, has it made much of a difference? The same with Chris yeah. Bryant when he's been on the field, has it made much of a difference for the organization? No, because the team itself has more problems. And blaming you know, all the Broncos' problems on Russell Wilson that is misguided. And very kind of, yeah, that's misguided. Same with the Rockies. You can't blame everything on Chris Bryant. Yeah. He's worthy of that money. Has he played up to it? No. And neither of them are ever going to play up to that contract. Play up to the contracts that they've, they've signed. But the thing is, at least Chris Bryant does appear to have a way to contribute to this team in the yeah. future. Yeah. Like I, I've seen a lot of comments on on Twitter and both on Purple Row going, well, the at least the Broncos are eating the bad contract and then moving on. But here's the thing. The Rockies don't really have to do that. Yeah. While, yes, it is frustrating that Bryant can be blocking guys like Alaris Montero and Michael Tolia from playing time. Here's the thing. I think the organization has shown as much as I dislike it, that they don't really have a lot of faith in either of those guys to begin with. Yeah. And And so if that's the place where Chris Bryant can at least contribute, then, you know, I may not like it, but okay. Yeah. And it's, well, the team has shown they can eat some contracts, but no, (laughs) it's really hard pressed to have them eat that big of a contract in baseball, especially for that team where uh, what he has five years left on this contract. However much, what 26 times five. Eh, I'm not doing that math. Well, and uh, think about, 
so think about the the current financial situation of the Rockies, where they just lost their regional sport network partner, where a lot of money comes from. Yeah. And also all of the other times they've done something to either eat a contract or get out of having to eat a contract. Everybody got mad anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so if, if, if the Rockies ate the Chris Bryan contract, people would be mad if they don't eat the contract. They're going to be mad. It's the same as you know, I hate to bring it up, but the Nolan Arenado trade where the Rockies contributed $51 million to the Cardinals in that trade. And in return, they did not have to pay the remaining 200 something million dollars on his contract. So that gets them out of having to eat that. And everyone's like, oh, well, for the next two years, the Rockies are, are paying for Nolan Arenado to play for someone else. And it's like, yeah. That's better than doing it for the next eight years. <laughs> and it, it it sucked at the time. It was painful at the time. And there's still a lot of hurt feelings over it right now. But it was a not smart move, but it was a better long-term financial move. Yeah. And it's the same with Chris Bryant. You're not just going to – you're paying this contract anyway. Yeah. You are losing money now because of uh, the RSN death. You're not just going to go, you know, I really don't feel like paying the rest of this hundred million or, or I really don't feel like seeing the guy who we're paying this hundred million dollars to over the next five years play. Yeah. The Rockies are going to try and squeeze some value out of him. And the thing is with Brian, Brian's only 31. That is not that old for, for an MLB player. If he can stay healthy, he's shown that he can at least still hit well. He's shown that he can play a perfectly cromulent first base. There is, and I've written about this before, a path for him to help lead a young Rockies team into a better future. You yeah. can't say the same about Russell Wilson, who is going to get cut, is not going to contribute to this team anymore, is significantly older than Chris Bryant, and all of the things that they did to get him and to pay him and to fix him have really hamstrung the Broncos organization for the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then like in the baseball world, like we were saying, really what the Rockies should have done is Chris Bryant should have just deferred all that money into the next century. Yeah. That's, have that be someone in 2045's problem. Yeah. We could have been, that could have been Sterling Monfort's problem in 20 years. Uh, <laughs> but no, that's when, uh, that's when robo Dick Monfort will be in control <laughs> of the team. Still his, his brains in a robot. Oh man, that's terrifying. Be like the end. Mm. Welcome Ugh. to the friends of robot Dick Monfort luncheon this year. <laughs> I think the Rockies can play 500 baseball. Error. Error does not compute. And then he um, falls down the stairs like Ed 209 and Robocop. <laughs> same animation too. Uh, <laughs> it's, just the it's the same robot. <laughs> it's the same robot. <laughs> but with baseball and everything, Say that with that money, it's it's guaranteed anyway. Twenty six million, like the Rockies can't afford that. But like, you don't need to eat that contract yet, and especially with that many years. Like, if he has like two years left, and things are just really bad for him, yeah, they'll eat that money then. But right now, when he's still, you know, presumed to come back healthy, and once again, try it again. This there's still hope for this contract. It's a slim hope, and it's not looking good after two years. 
but there's still hope for Chris Bryant. And you know, the advantage of it being baseball, no, it's not exactly apples to apples or whatever. Love that game. Yeah. But uh, quarterback to whatever position Chris Bryant's playing, Chris Bryant can move around. He has the DH spot. No, it's not no one-to-one comparing, but just simply going back to the acquisition, Chris Bryant's costing you money. And yeah, he might be blocking some young players, but then if that's the case, you can move those young players to get something else. And you always have a continual draft. Yeah. And so it's, whereas Russell Wilson, he's just kind of hamstrung your future. Like I said, there's that salary cap, the dead cap hit, where it's going to limit their financial flexibility and ability to bring in more talent and reflourish because they're missing a bunch of draft picks. It's just a, a huge mess. So I and, think purely from the economic standpoint, Russell Wilson has been the worst acquisition in my yeah. eyes. And for the Rockies, the Rockies have the third overall pick going into the 2024 draft. <laughs> Broncos the, Broncos, that. <laughs> the Broncos are now going to, they're going to have a, a late first round pick. They only have two uh, picks, I think in the first two days of the draft in 2024, which ouch, but then you also have to go, all right, well then do the Broncos tank next year in order to get a higher draft pick and, and, you know, get their quarterback, which everybody hates and they're going to, or are they going to be bad enough on their own to get that pick? And if they're not, then they're not going to be bad enough to, the Broncos have never picked first overall, I don't think, in their entire franchise history. And I don't see them being bad enough next year to get that early, early first round pick anyway. Mm-hmm. And if they are, then everybody's going to be miserable and angry anyway. <laughs> so it's like, what do you what do you do about it? And they don't have the they don't have the capital to trade up. There's no way that any of the the really big name quarterbacks for this upcoming draft are going to fall to them. Versus the Rockies with their lovely number three draft pick are going to get one of the top three players in the draft next year. Mm-hmm. And you've also got the. The way it sorts out, baseball is much more team oriented in terms of, you know, with football, you can go, oh, if we just plug in a quarterback, then we're good. Then everything's going to be fine. (laughs) With baseball, you don't have that. It's a team sport. You can have the best right fielder in the league and still be a bad team. You can have Shohei Otani and Mike Trout on your team and still be awful. And never make the playoffs. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Chris Bryant has three at-bats a game. You can have Mookie Betts and Clayton Kershaw and get bounced by the Diamondbacks in the playoffs. Yeah, like Chris Bryant takes three at-bats a game. Chris or Russell Wilson is taking that snap no, every quarter. <laughs> so it's all They're all a mess. Thank goodness for the Nuggets and the Avalanche, specifically the Nuggets at the moment. Yeah, the Avalanche they're the apps are the apps weird. are good. They're at the very least winning their division currently. They're at the top of the central, but there are a lot of question marks there. Yeah. Specifically with, you know, having oh, lost Arturi Lekanen and having lost Sam Gerard. The roster depth was kind of called into question. They've not been so great on the road. The defense has been a little bit of a mess. But overall, the apps are still good. And then you look over at the Nuggets, who are amazing and a ton of mm-hmm. fun to watch. Mm-hmm. 
So uh, look forward to us rebranding in 2024 as a Denver Nuggets and uh, Colorado Avalanche podcast. I've already got my hat. And a Rocky uh, Mountain Dunk Top. Dunky Roof Mountain Rock. Mm-hmm. Big Fox Noonoff. Rocky Mountain Avalanche. Anyways. <laughs> Well, we're going to take a uh, a quick ad break here. Don't go anywhere. And when we get back, it's uh, it's time for an airing of grievances. We're a little bit late for Festivus, but Festivus. we have some bones to pick. So uh, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Affected by Altitude. I'm Evan. This is Skyler. And it's Major League Baseball Hall of Fame voting time, which means it's time to get angry at a lot of people on the internet. Uh, yes. Yes, indeed. And if you give me a second here, I'll have my little bit ready to go. Um, let me Stand uh, by, everyone. Skyler is here. preparing a bit. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> and, word, copy, and copyright strike. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, but it's time for an airing of grievances. Yes, Festivus was last week, but this Hall of Fame voting cycle especially has, I think, highlighted a lot of the flaws in the Hall of Fame voting process. It has been so infuriating. And... Now, Evan, no, don't bully these voters. They have feelings. Because <laughs> you don't want to be called a, a crying fanboy, do you? You know what? That's my first bone to pick. So our first grievance <laughs> is going to be aired with uh, Marcos Breton of the Sacramento Bee, who inexpl- he posted his valet that inexplicably has a bunch of drops on it, um, where he had voted. Uh, he had a pretty full ballot last year. And then he took a bunch of guys off his ballot. And I'm trying to pull up his ballot right now. Give me just a second. Yeah, because he voted, what, for Manny and A-Rod and Beltre? I believe so. Yeah. Um, And and it's been that same. This has been the guy with a lot of these old baseball writers, I would say. So... of of guys that are like it needs to be the elite of the elite top one percent all the other other guys like they're not good enough so brenton posted a ballot there was only carlos beltran and adrian beltre no yeah and like i get it there's a lot of bad ballots that one wouldn't particularly stand out if he had not dropped four players in the process mm-hmm. where Breton dropped Andrew Jones, Manny Ramirez, Alex Rodriguez, and Billy Wagner. Uh, didn't vote for Todd Helton. Hasn't voted for Todd Helton. And when he got sort of called out on it, it's like, hey, what's your reasoning for dropping all of these guys if you're not submitting a full ballot? He didn't really have a good reason for it. He sort of hemmed and hawed. He said something about how, oh, in the past, I felt pressured to have a more full ballot. But this year, I'm not doing that, which isn't great reasoning. 
Um, he got some things factually incorrect. He basically said that he didn't vote for Gary Sheffield because Sheffield had another year on the ballot, which is not true. Sheffield is in his final year um, in Hall of Fame voting. He falls off the ballot for this year. When called out on that, he then lied about it and said, no, I never said that. You're misinterpreting what I said. And then anyone who really disagreed with him or said, hey, man, your ballot sucks, he would post a gif of a crying baby uh, basically make fun of them and call anyone who disagreed with him, quote, a crying fanboy who, quote, needs to grow up. And then when people continue to call him out on this, he wrote an op-ed for the paper that he writes for, the Sacramento Bee, talking about just how mean and how mean and horrible the internet is. And everyone's such a bully and he's standing up for what's right and all this Crap. It's these crap. analytical nerds pressure you into voting for more guys. And I, I said this myself, it's it's pathetic. Mm-hmm. Because plenty of guys have bad ballots. We talk about all the bad ballots we get every year. Lord knows there's been tons of them this year. Guys who have dropped Helton for really not a good reason. You have John Heyman who voted for Jimmy Rollins and Chase Utley. Uh, but not Todd Helton. He said that Todd Helton doesn't deserve to be in the Hall of Fame because he doesn't have the volume um, in certain stats, but then voted for Chase Utley, who also doesn't have the volume in those stats. Like, I get it. There are bad ballots, but you need to be able to at least have a reason for why you're voting where you are. Like, I don't like John Heyman. I think his ballot's crap, but he broke down very specific reasoning for every guy he included and didn't include on his ballot. Even if the uh, reasons against some guys were just kind of nothing burgers. <laughs> Todd Helton's, like we said with Todd Helton's, it was he didn't do enough as a first baseman playing in that environment. Despite the fact that he has the 20th most doubles of all time in yeah. the entire league. <laughs> One of the greatest batting averages of his generation. But what other guys baseman. have done, like John Heyman, like a bunch of these other you know, guys submitting ballots that are bad, is they didn't get ultra defensive, lash out at everyone, tell everyone what a big mean bully they are for not agreeing with them, and write an op-ed in their local paper decrying how mean the internet is Mm -hmm. and how it's so unfair that he got what does he say that he got crushed on social media social media for his hall of fame votes and Mm -hmm. that it really highlights even more of the issues with the hall of fame voting because you've got that guy was in Juan Vene the guy 93 year old guy from last year who submitted a blank ballot in protest of what he considers the flaws of the modern game of baseball. And this year only voted for Adrian Beltre, which I mean, at least he submitted a vote, but this guy hasn't written about baseball in like 20 years, basically. And you look at Marcos Breton, who by his own admission, hasn't been a contributor baseball wise since 2017. And what Mm -hmm. it shows is that a lot of these guys who are voting they don't really keep up with the modern game. They're not doing their due diligence for voting. And it's frustrating because, you know, Todd Helton, who last year we were all like, all right, next year is definitely the year is inexplicably losing votes. And he's still, he's still over the threshold right now, but we still haven't got to all of the non-public ballots. And 
he needs to be on like 73.4% of every remaining ballot submitted to get in. And it's, it's really frustrating because you continue to see people dismiss Todd Helton as, as, you know, Oh, course field or other stuff like that. And then they vote for, for other guys, their reasonings inconsistent, you know, Skyler and I were talking about this before the show of how many votes Jimmy Rollins has gotten. And, I like Jimmy Rollins. If I had a vote, Jimmy would probably be on my ballot, but a bunch of other people would be too. He's like, he's one of those more borderline guys that I think he's totally okay to throw on your ballot. So long as you've got, you know, a nice full ballot to submit. Uh Yeah. And that's the thing that bothers me with a lot of this hall of fame voting at this point. I'm even, I don't care if you vote for Manny Ramirez and steroid users, like yeah. what do you do? I don't care anymore. But at this point, with with David Ortiz in the hall, and you know Alex Rodriguez is on the ballot, we already got past where Barry Bonds didn't get in, Mark McGuire didn't get in. Whatever at this point, vote for who you're going to vote for, but just have sound reasoning for who you're going to vote for. Yeah, and that that's kind of goes back to our conversation here, focusing it back in on Todd Helton. You know where the continual arguments and people's just misunderstanding of who Todd Helton was as a player and you no know, playing at Coors field because you'll have oh, his home road splits. I just couldn't you know, reconcile those. Uh, you try playing your half of your career at Coors field and then still put up hall of fame numbers on the road. Now where his, his road numbers are pretty hall of fame worthy. No, they match up with, Hall of road numbers of a bunch of other guys, but yeah, like Coorsfield helped. Who doesn't benefit from their home ballpark in some way a lot of the time? And oh, they'll come out. Oh, he didn't hit enough home runs. He wasn't a home run hitter. Todd Helton was a doubles machine. Hence, like we said, twentieth all time, which is crazy. And did Freddie Freeman reach his record, like time with the doubles in twenty twenty three? Single season doubles, yeah. But like, it like, a... He was getting close to that sixty, and it was something like Todd, that hot that hadn't been done since like Todd Helton. But it's a misunderstanding of who Todd Helton was, and no, he was one of the best players of his generation. But the thing that we always hear, they go back to, well, he played at Coors Field. Well, then if that's the case, why do we have a team in Denver? If you're yeah. just going to discredit everybody that plays there. Why have a team there? And you know that's still some a lot of those. <laughs> there's a lot of the bias, you know, East Coast bias. There's that guy that submitted the Adrian Beltre and then Chase Utley and Jimmy Rollins ballot. And guess what? He's a Philadelphia writer, huh? And so it just a lot of that feeling like guys don't do their due diligence, you not know, really studying guys. And like, yeah, it's probably a lot for a lot of these guys to ask them, ask them, but they have the whole year. I'm sure they can set aside some time of, okay, I'm going to focus on studying out Todd Helton and really like asking guys. And I think Nick Groke, who former writer for the athletic covers, covered the Rockies for quite a while. Not sure what he's doing. now. I think he's probably just freelancing around at this point, but he had his first time ballot and I liked Something that he said is talking about, you know, what does a guy's career, what story does that guy's career tell? 
about the game of baseball you know, in the era he played in? What do other players and you know, managers, what do they have to say about these players that they, they'll face off against? Because these writers, yeah, a lot of them are out of touch. And they just go by these you know, weird arbitrary numbers and, and you know, guidelines they've set for themselves. There's always that one guy that shows up on MLB Network. Like, the guy didn't have 500 home runs and 3,000 hits, so he's an automatic no for me. Like, what? What? Yeah. And, and so it's a lot of them, have, I think, are misguided on what the meaning of the Hall of Fame is. And, yeah, it's it's up to definition. Like, it's objective, subjective to people. But to me, it's how can you tell the story of baseball with some of the best players in the different eras and generations of the game. Yeah. And I really like what both you and Nick, Nick Grok have said about, you know, the story to tell is that every single baseball player, no matter who they are, that makes it to the major league, they tell a story. Their career tells a story. It has something to say about baseball. And you look at Todd Helton, who in the era of roided up slugging first baseman was instead a prodigious doubles hitter who in the history of the national league has is tied for the third most doubles of all time with 59 in a single season his 2000 season. And the guys ahead of him are all, you know, outfielders from the thirties and twenties. Mm-hmm. But Todd Helton has the most, I believe the most, if not, I think it is the most doubles of any first baseman in a single season. And you are right. And that tie, tying him last year is Freddie Freeman at 59 and Freddie Freeman. I think when he gets to the mallet, people are going to say he's a hall of famer. They're not going to have the same thing where it's like, Oh, he didn't hit a bajillion home runs. Therefore he's bad. Mm-hmm. But you're looking at the story of how the story of baseball that Todd Helton told both at home and on the road. And at the very least, I'm thankful for, we have guys like Mike Petriello and other stats guys who are out there fighting the fight for, for Todd Helton and for other players of his ilk, where it's like, it's not that it's not just that playing at cores can elevate your hitting. It's that when you play at cores, leaving cores field can make your hitting worse. Yeah. And that's not something Todd Helton dealt with. Like we've said again and again, Todd Helton's road stats are better than the career stats of multiple Hall of Famers. Mm-hmm. And and going back to like what story does his career tell? It's not the one that those writers conceived. No, it's not the story that you conceive that he tells, but put your bias, which is hard to do sometimes but put their bias tendencies aside and really dive into those numbers and dive into his career. You know, talk to other can no, collaborate with other writers. Talk to him. I want to know, like how often do other writers like talk to each other? Oh, should there be like some big writer summit at the BBWAA and like guys get up and give presentations, PowerPoint presentations on, on like making a case for some of these hall of famers. Like, I think, can the Hall of Fame do anything like send out an information ballot on all the players that are you no know, like when they're uh, no every election cycle? Yeah, the, the, the blue, blue ballot mail. book. Like that's it's useful. Like, does the Hall of Fame need to be doing that, or the the Writers Association? Do they do that? Are they already doing that, and we just don't know about it? 
that's like that's what's that's what's frustrating though because you know we have all these guys who are they're out of touch with the modern game they're not regular baseball writers i've pointed out that a bunch of guys submitting ballots write for like the nba and other sports yeah and it's like yes they wrote about baseball at some point which got them into the bbwa and then what's what's supposed to happen is that you know when you stop writing about baseball eventually you'll cycle out i think it's over like 10 years but i think how that works then needs to be reevaluated because we continue to get these guys with votes who are so colored by their bias by their east coast bias or by their small hall bias or from the bias of how they think baseball should be like how it was 30 years ago 40 years ago 50 years ago instead of how it is today mm-hmm. yeah don't worry, like Something I always think of too is, you know, how can you make the ballot where it's just focusing on guys for that era, like the different eras? But I don't know. It's weird. I don't know. It's all a mess. And I wish I had the answer to fix it all. But I think, and it's it's a tough job that's been given to the writers that they're. But it's a lot of them, and I go back to a lot of these old writers. It goes back to some of these old fogies. Some of these old writers that are based on the East Coast and New York mainly and, and that stuff or over in the East Coast or on the West Coast in California. Like they're just stuck in their own little bubble of the best of the best, the top of the 1%. And then they ignore all the other incredible, great players that make baseball the way it is. Like I want to remember a lot of, like Joe Maurer. We're happy he's getting a lot of votes. We won't dive into that, but he helps tell the story of baseball in a way for catchers. Same way Todd Helton is. They weren't the big superstars in the big market team under the bright lights, but they meant a lot to the teams they played for. One one year or one career with an entire team, both of them, a lot of great milestones, great events. They didn't have a lot of postseason success. That's not their fault. <laughs> so don't hold that against them. Yeah, Jimmy Rollins and Chase Elliott got to be on teams that went to the playoffs. Yeah, that probably helps them, but that shouldn't be the end-all, be-all why you vote for them type of thing. So uh, there's just such a mess. But yeah. stop being biased. Just give everybody a, a fair and equal chance. And I think, I think, though, even worse than being biased is when they remove someone from yeah. their ballot and don't really have a good reason for it. Like if this person was already on your ballot, you think that they were good enough to be on the hall of fame last year, but now all of a sudden in 2023, you don't, that makes no sense. And I'm talking about Mike Vaccaro, Mark Saxon and Sean Powell, all three of whom removed Todd Helton from their ballot this year. Uh, and, and we joke, it's like, Oh man, Todd Helton had a really bad 2023 season, but it's like, it's it's so strange because I get if a guy's not in his last year, I do get removing someone from your ballot to keep another guy on the ballot. 100%, I get that. But none of these guys submitted full ballots. Yeah. And like, yeah, everybody they have absolutely their right to vote how they want like drop guys. But like we said like what changed and give good reasoning for, because if it's just some arbitrary, eh, it just didn't feel like it. Then yeah. that's pretty, uh, 
to quote Marcus Stroman to Patrick Saunders once, that's a poo-poo take, sir. <laughs> and it really is like, if you if you are supposedly so principled about your voting, then you got to stand by it and you got to be able to justify it. Yeah. And that brings us back to Marcus Breton, who, or, or Marcos Breton, pardon me, who didn't provide good reasoning for his ballot. And instead of like standing by it and trying to defend himself, lashed out at everyone else and then called everyone a big, huge meanie head for not agreeing with him. The internet's toxic. And so it's your fault. My ballot's bad, which I guess checks out. All right. But we still have low hope. Yeah. We're, we're holding out hope for, for Todd to get in this year. It's tough. He's sitting at, 80.2% 80.2% on all ballots right now, both public and anonymous. That's not bad. It really it is isn't. At a, min- a net minus one vote at the moment. Mm-hmm. But because of those around there. What I will say that's been really refreshing to see is that almost every new ballot, people casting their first time ballots, he's been on pretty much every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Which does go to show that when you are finally cycling out some of these old fogies for people who are more in touch with the modern game of baseball, the the votes change. Yeah. And so I think that really helps Todd as well. But currently where he's sitting at that negative one and it's it's tough because it's looking like Adrian Beltre is probably going to be a first ballot, which is is great for him. Incredible player. Uh, he he's he's on my ballot if I had one. He's at ninety seven point eight percent right now. That's a really good trend for him. But Todd's at eighty point two. Then you have Joe Mauer at eighty one point three. And then the only other guy who's above the seventy five percent threshold right now is Billy Wagner, just barely at seventy six point nine percent. Meanwhile, you've got guys like Matt Holiday, who has not received a single vote. And we'll talk about this at some point in the future, but Matt Holiday was a lot better than people remember. And I don't think, while while I understand if he never makes it in the Hall of Fame, I don't think he deserves to drop off the ballot in his first year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While guys like, you know, Chase Utley and Jimmy Rollins are still getting plenty of votes. Yeah, it's all a mess. I will express my delight, though, that Jose Reyes has not received a single vote and is likely to fall off the ballot this year <laughs> because uh, screw that guy. Mm-hmm. But and, and a good instance of the Rockies eating a contract. Yes, because poo poo takes sir. He was a poo poo person. Mm-hmm. Bad dude, yeah. that Jose Reyes. But. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we're going to keep up. Of course, we're going to keep up to date with Hall of Fame voting. It's what we do. And we're going to hope against all hopes that Todd is going to make it in this year. And if not this year, then next year. And just hope that he doesn't have to wait until his last year on the ballot like Larry Walker did. Because mm-hmm. that's what that's what Larry Walker getting into the Hall of Fame was supposed to do. Remember, it was supposed to dispel the myth of Coors Field and show that Rockies players could get into the Hall. Well, still, still dealing with this bullcrap Coors Field narrative where if Coors Field really was this absolute hitter's paradise where everyone is so incredible when they play there, why are the Rockies so bad all the time? Mm-hmm. That's the million dollar question, Evan. 
And one we don't have an answer to. Wish we did. But anyway, we're going to take another quick break here. When we come back, we'll close things out. It's uh, it's almost that far off year of 2024. And we have some resolutions. So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Affected by Altitude with Evan Lang and Skylar Timmons. Thanks for sticking with us through that ad break. Skylar, can you believe it's almost 2024? It is 2024 when they're probably listening to this. Well, that's right. This episode is going to drop on New Year's Day. I don't know what you're talking about, Evan. We're filming. We're recording this live for people. We're from the future. The far off year of 2004 from uh, Harvey Birdman with the Jetsons. It's it's one of my favorite bits um, from that whole show. Or it's like the far off year of 2004 and he looks at his calendar and it's like 2007. Mm. But what comes along with New Year's? Uh, the people kissing at midnight. Exactly. So here, live on Affected by no! No, Skylar, it's resolutions. Oh. You have to result, make a resolution for something that you're going to do in the new year. Yes, and uh, <laughs> but like uh, most people, like when we're counting out Christmas gifts, uh, we're going to be make like the armchair GMs that we are. We're going to make resolutions for the Rockies themselves or the Rockies organization itself. Who do we want to start with? No, just anything you want. It doesn't have to be specific person, just whatever. I have some specifics. I would like Ryan McMahon to resolve to cut down on strikeouts and fix that big gaping hole in his swing. Mm-hmm. Yes, because we keep hearing about the potent power potential in his bat and the superstardom. Keep hearing that it's he's it's, so it's, close it's, to it's breaking out. But he's been close to breaking out since 2018, so at one point does it happen trying to find here it is we posted a um one of our other writers mario posted that heat map in our slack channel of you know ryan mcmahon's swing and it's pretty bad there's part of the heat map where there's just a big blue nothingness swirling right in the middle of the zone and like so you know the zone split into those nine the nine parts and in the top three the top row in the middle row it's just a big blue mass when it comes to his contact ability and that's rough Mm -hmm. that's that's pretty bad so that's something i'd like to see because i i love rymac i do he's one of my favorite guys awesome guy awesome player awesome clubhouse presence best one of the best defensive third baseman in the league but he gotta figure out hitting mm-hmm. yeah and <laughs> so is the rest of the team but he's the big one i think for a lot of us uh resolution i have for the organization itself a pretty classic New Year's resolution to lose some weight. And by that, I mean, make some trades when you have a big log jam. There's a lot of guys that can play first base and right field. Uh, maybe trim some of that fat. Make some trades. If you need to, Lars Montero, sorry, but we really don't have a spot for you. Here's a chance somewhere else. 
or something like that. No, so I'd like to see some more trades. They keep talking about that this offseason, but all we have is Cal Quantrill. Give me some more trades, some meaningful trades. That's the thing. Lose some meaningful weight to add some muscle mass. And I'll combine that with my resolution for the organization. Be more outgoing. Yeah. Make some friends. Talk to other teams. Try and make some deals. Bring in other players. Look at how you could get free agent pitchers to come to Colorado if you really needed to. Mm-hmm. You're just you're a beautiful butterfly waiting to come out of its cocoon, Colorado. Yes. That's I think that's a big one. And that also ties into this other one that I have of Rockies get out of those toxic relationships and they're not super toxic, but no, stop settling for these bad relationships. No, look outside of the box in your front office, bring in some outside help. And like I said, when players wise uh, in your managerial and coaching staff, bring in outside people, new, fresh perspectives. Cause girl, it's you're getting okay dragged to ask down for help. Yeah. Because, girl, he, you are getting dragged down. Sometimes you got to weed that garden. Mm-hmm. Mm. So stupid. <laughs> you know, something that all of us, I think, resolve to do every New Year's is to hit the gym a little bit more often and make healthier decisions. And for the Rockies, I think that's a great resolution because the injuries need to stop especially when it comes to pitching staff, but especially when it comes to Chris Bryant, Chris yeah. Bryant, let's you and me, let's hit the gym and make sure that we're healthy for 2024. That's a pretty good one. <laughs> oh, I just had one. Oh, uh, learn a new skill. And by <laughs> that, I mean, learn how to use computers for analytics more. They're on the right track with that lab, but that lab's down in Arizona. Uh, what are they going to do in season when everybody's in Colorado? So uh, make sure you're learning those new skills so you can better your team. Learn how to throw different pitches instead of sinkers down in the zone. What was that? You want more sinkers down in the zone? No! What's that? Your resolution is to throw more sinkers? Uh, my other resolution for the Rockies is... Let's update that wardrobe and bring back some classic looks. Give me back my black vests. Uh, turn ahead the clock. Sure. I actually legitimately really like the turn ahead the clock jerseys. I have two of them because I'm a sucker for that kind of thing. But give me back my black vests. That ties into another one here that I just thought of. Of no, Just have more fun. As a team, social media, I'd like to see more fun. Yeah, if you need to turn off those comments or just ignore them, who cares? But have more fun. You got the kids playing now. They're fun. Have more fun theme nights. Do something. Be more engaging in-game. Yeah, All that good stuff. That's definitely... The social media especially is something that the Rockies have been struggling with for the last couple of years now, where there's just they're not as engaging as a team. And the Rockies used to have a really fabulous social media presence. Yeah. And yeah. it's understandable, like they're more hesitant because uh yeah. team is bad and not a lot of good people are unhappy. 
but you got to look past that. Don't read the Twitter comments. Don't read the don't read the YouTube comment section. Just don't read comments in general. I never do. Except for those from our wonderful readers at Purple Row and Fans for Sports Network, obviously. Just just the notes and comments I type to myself in my notes app. No, we read all of your comments every time. Uh yes. I don't know how to <laughs> blank send help in Morse code. But like for as much as like people talk about you know, how fun it is to go to Coors Field, go to a game, honestly, it's kind of boring sometimes. It's gotten like, a little it's, stale. It's a, it's a nice environment to go to. And like, but then you go and it's just kind of like bland. I can't say I'm saying, I can't believe I'm saying this, but I missed the tooth trot. Yeah. Like, wh- why don't we have more fun? They have like some things they've brought back. But like, now, I, I will say my favorite segment at Coors Field that I do think is a, is a fun, unique one that they do have is beard or bear. I don't know. Is so this is this, this is a relatively new one, I think. If it didn't start this this season, it started last season, where they show a very up close shot, and they ask you to tell, they ask the fans to tell them, is this a is this an actual bear, like the animal, or is this someone on the team's beard? <laughs> and that's legitimately, I think that's fun. That's a nice little thing. Do more fun stuff. It, it really is. Every single game, they do basically the same thing. They have the guy who runs from the the tunnel, the groundskeeper to, to third base and back. They have the the plinko challenge thing. Uh, sometimes they do that cornhole thing up on the rooftop. Which people are terrible at. Like it's not fun to watch. <laughs> uh, uh, one of my buddies, Andrew, if you're listening to this, still remember this. Is he got selected to do it when we were at a game, and he killed it. Nice. Um, but it really is like there's so much more fun. You know what? I could send you out of get rid of that really stupid, the bland generic, the Toyota race. Yeah. Look, like, if you're going to do something like that, at least tie it into like mm-hmm. something fun. And it, even it used to be even better back in the day where like now it's this whole, like it's this digital course. It's like back in, back in my day, I only voted for two players on my hall of fame ballot. But it was like the cars were racing around downtown Denver to get to Coors Field. Mm-hmm. That at least felt a little less generic. And I think I think you're absolutely right, Skylar, is that the Rockies could do a lot to liven up and, and have a lot more fun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because like if your team's going to be bad and like lean into it, like it's just like this <laughs> kind of weird way to actually, like treat it like minor league baseball. Like it's gonna be minor league baseball games are fun. Win or lose, those things are fun. Like you we go to, a, to an isotopes game, those suckers are fun. Can we get a lazy river down in uh down in Frisco with the uh, the Rough Riders, the Texas Rangers Double A organization? Uh, they have a big lazy river in the outfield. And I'm not saying we need to do that, but like play into the cool stuff in your ballpark. You know what could be fun? How about you do Chuck Nasty's fishing challenge where you go out by the fountains out in the the outfield and you have to try and fish a prize out of the outfield, out of the out of the fountain. Mm-hmm. Or just like a little quick thing you can do on the sidelines, like in foul yeah. territory. Do c- 
because it's it's a beautiful ballpark with lots of really cool stuff that you could really play into and you can play into things with like rocky's history and all that stuff we've talked about this before but the, the rockies are really fixated on their one specific part of their history which is rocktober and the blake street bombers yep but there's so much other cool stuff you could talk about or resolution uh t- Think back, re- resolution think back fondly on the past and have uh throwback nights to the denver bears and the denver zephyrs mm-hmm. where the rockies wear throwback uniforms for those teams that played in the mile high city before the rockies were even a thing mm-hmm. yeah well, big resolution with little sub resolutions within it just have more fun in 2024 uh and part of that Celebrate your history better. Make a Hall of Fame, dang it. It's, I'll make it easy for you. You get some purple jackets. You have, like, you know you know the, the wall in the outfield that's right underneath where they do the uh, post-game show? Mm-hmm. Turn that wall into your ring of fame. Done. Mm-hmm. I'll give that one mm-hmm. for free, Rockies. Um, how about be inspired by your surroundings here in downtown Denver? We have two great winning sports teams in the Colorado avalanche and the Denver nuggets. Take a little inspiration from them. Mm-hmm. Also uh, resolution learn from your friends. Uh, look around the rest of the league and see what they're doing, especially your friends, the Arizona Diamondbacks. Learn from your peers. Um, explore exciting new lands. Travel. Set up scouting in Asia. Mm, that costs money. Can we please not have the Dodgers get every single good Japanese player that's posting Sign this year? Godzilla to a five-year contract? He can hit the ball pretty hard. Well, we turn him into a ground ball specialist. <laughs> or if he pitches, he's only going to throw sinkers <laughs> as he sinks into the ocean. Um, but no, like the Dodgers are apparently now trying to sign Shota Imanaga, the other pitcher out of Japan that's that's big in this cycle and they also hired um Yoshinobu Yamamoto's biomechanics specialist Rockies come on have a little presence um oh I just thought of one and now it has escaped me mm-hmm Resolution, don't be bad. Be good, not bad. Be good, not bad. That one's going to get broken. Probably. Uh... Oh, I got a resolution for uh, Mr. Bud Black. Uh, stop, preferen- stop putting preference on veterans. Act younger. How do you do, fellow kids? 
<laughs> are we scraping the bottom of the barrel at this point? Uh, <laughs> trying yeah. to trying to think of things. That might be a sign that we're at an end. It might be. Oh no, I remember I remember one is uh let's mend some bridges in 2024. Ah, yes, that's a good one. Uh for players for former players, for former fans, for por- former parts of the organization who have felt slighted, who are, are mad with the organization. It's time to go out of our way to seek forgiveness and start mending those bridges. It's trying, we need to try and get the fan base back on board. We need to guys like, you know, Troy Tulowitzki. We need to try and repair that relationship with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. That's a good one. That's a good one to end on. I think we will end on that. Uh, What are your New Year's resolutions for the Colorado Rockies? Please feel free to let us know on the tweeters or the blue sky or on purple row. Uh, I'd also like for the Rockies to be more active like the Atlanta Braves who just acquired Chris Sale from the Boston Red Sox. Oh, wow. Uh, the Atlanta Braves are acquiring seven-time All-Star Chris Sale in a trade with the Red Sox. Uh, infield prospect Vaughn Grissom is going to Boston. Uh, in return, Boston is sending money uh, to Atlanta. Sale has waived his no-trade clause. Good for wow. him. Cool. That'll be fun. Meanwhile, we signed Ty Block to a minor league contract. Anyway, what are the odds that Ty Block is in the rotation to start the season? Oh, I'm just, it's almost guaranteed. Less than zero. Three years in a row that he's minor league contract, invite to spring training, makes the roster opening day. It's happening. Hmm. Oh, Rockies. Well, on the bright side, now that we are in 2024, we are just one more step closer to baseball season with pitchers and catchers reporting in about a month and a half. Woo! And we, here on Affected by Altitude, will continue to have this just extreme quality content like pulling New Year's resolutions uh, out of the bottom of the barrel at the end of the episode for you. What are you talking about? We plan this. Every single one. I had some in the barrel, but (laughs) I think as was obvious towards the end of that, we were reaching real deep in there to try and find something. (laughs) That's what that's what happens during the off season when your team doesn't do anything. Rockies, give us content. We want to talk about you. We love you. We respect. We love you. But that's going to do it for us here on Affected by Altitude. Thank you so much for listening, as always, in 2023. I can't believe we've been doing this for so long at this point that we can say that we've been doing this for years. And we're going to keep trying to, you know, keep pumping out the good content for you guys here. Uh, We appreciate each and every one of you who listens, who downloads, who shares, who leaves, uh, leaves a comment, leaves a review. Um, please feel free to leave a review five stars if you'd like on your podcasting platform of choice. Uh, Skyler, where can the folks find you at? Find me over on Twitter at sideline underscore crowd. Also follow us every Rocky ever. We'll have a new episode coming out 
where uh, my brother and I, this will be our first episode of 2024, where we will be guessing. Uh, we both picked three to four players, and then we see who we can guess. That sounds really fun. There are lesser known players. That sounds like, even le- like less notable ones. Like Bubba Carpenter or Brooks Kieschnick. Uh, not that obscure. John Vanderwall. No, we already did him. John Vanderwall again. No, you'll just have to watch the episode to find out. I will. And I hope you all watch the episode as well. Hint, hint, hint nudge, nudge. Yes. Also, uh, Wednesday Rock Files at purplerow.com and right now kinds at fansforsportsnetwork.com. Yeah, he's been churning out the content over at Fans for Sports Network. Highly recommend you check it out. Coverage for all sorts of baseball teams, not just the Rockies. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Evan underscore Lang 27. Same handle over on Threads. And at Blue Sky, you can find me at, at Evan Lang 27.bsky.social. Hit me up doing the Thursday rock piles over on Purple Row. And you can always follow us at Affected by Altitude and Rocky Mountain Rooftop on Twitter and um, on YouTube. That's at Rocky Mountain Rooftop. That's at R O C K Y M T N Rooftop. Uh, before we go, I also want to say, Skylar, a tremendous congratulations. Uh, our very own Skylar Timmons has been named to the editorial crew at purplerow.com. Um, incredibly well-deserving. You know, Skylar and I joined at, at about the same time over at Purple Row, and he has done, you have done such amazing stuff, um, you know, in helping get this podcast running and all of the great content that you provide, all of the hard work that you put in. Congratulations, dude. I'm super proud of you. Uh, gracias, mi hermano. De nada. As, as they as they say down south, day nada, Feliz Navidad. But <laughs> no, it's been good. We appreciate it all. Purple Row offered, and then gave us this podcast, and then spun off into our spinoff series here with Fans First Sports Network. Not much changes, just maybe a little more responsibility. As some very wise sages once said the years start coming and they don't stop 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 coming uh we'll see you next time here on affected by altitude farewell farewell they don't stop coming and they don't stop coming and they i love i love songs that loop like that one of my favorite ones is the it's our house and it just keeps looping it's our house in the middle of our house. It just keeps looping. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>